Morning, everyone. Um, so today we're going to continue reading from Jonah. Uh, until this point, we've seen the call of God to Jonah to go to the great city of Nineveh to pronounce God's judgment upon them. Upon hearing this message, the people of Nineveh amazingly turned from their wickedness and God's judgment did not come upon them. We pick up the account from chapter 4, which describes Jonah's reaction to this. So reading from Jonah chapter 4. Jonah was greatly displeased and became furious. He prayed to the Lord, Please, Lord, isn't this what I said while I was still in my own country? That's why I fled toward Tarshish in the first place. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger, abounding in faithful love, and one who relents from sending disaster. And now, Lord, take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. The Lord asked, is it right for you to be angry? Jonah left the city and found a place east of it. He made himself a shelter there and sat in its shade to see what would happen to the city. Then the Lord God appointed a plant and it grew over Jonah to provide shade for his head to rescue him from his trouble. Jonah was greatly pleased with the plant. When dawn came the next day, God appointed a worm that attacked the plant and it withered. As the sun was rising, God appointed a scorching east wind. The sun beat down on Jonah's head so much that he almost fainted and he wanted to die. He said, it's better for me to die than to live. Then God asked Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? Yes, it's right, he replied. I'm angry enough to die. And the Lord said, You cared about the plant, which you did not labour over and did not grow. It appeared in a night and perished in a night. So may I not care about the great city of Nineveh, which has more than 120,000 people who cannot distinguish between their right and their left, as well as many animals? Well, now we're all awake. <laughs> Good morning and welcome and welcome to you that are online. My apologies for having the microphone on mute. Um, well, Raj has prayed. Let's have a look at Jonah chapter 4. I don't know if you've been here for all of the uh, times we've been looking at Jonah, but, but Jonah is a remarkable book. Uh, firstly, because we see in it the glorious majesty of God's mercy on every page. But in it, we also see the frailty of Jonah, the trouble that Jonah has, the difficulties that Jonah uh, has throughout this book. So I've, we see, many see this book, in, in a way, as like a window through which we look and see the glorious majesty of God. We look out through that window and we can see just how kind he is, how gracious he is, how merciful he is. He's God of second chances, as we've seen. But as we 
shift our focus so we not only see the glory of God through that window, but we start to see the reflection of Jonah, the man, our own reflection really. And as you can probably see, that ain't pretty. We can see just how we are, how frail we are, how weak we are. And I think if, you are honest, if we're honest with ourselves, which we have to be when we come to God's word, that's exactly what we see. Our own troubles, our own fears, our own faithlessness, our struggle with compassion. The times when we let our hurts and our own prejudices uh, rule our thinking and our acting. This is what we see. Now, why do we have Jonah chapter 4? Why does God, who is the author of this book, through the human author, why is it there? If, 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 uh, if the book of Jonah was all about God's gracious compassion to a, to a nation, to a people group who did not deserve it, then, then it could have ended really, really well at the end of chapter 3. Jonah goes to the Ninevites, he proclaims like quite just a few words to them about God's judgment that was coming and they hear the word and they turn from their wickedness and the punishment that God was going to send on Nineveh, which by the way was probably plan B, was averted so that plan A, God's original intention all the way through, that is to save them from that calamity, was, was done. So Jonah comes, he proclaims the word of God, the people hear that, they turn from their wickedness, judgment is averted. End of chapter 3, mission accomplished, Jonah comes to his senses, Ninevites saved, fantastic. I mean, it would have looked great on Jonah's CV, wouldn't it? The whole, you know, sin city repents, you know, that would have been the headline. It would have been great. Why is Jonah chapter 4 in, in the Bible? Don't know if you've ever thought about that. Uh, in fact, some people have said to me, uh, it would have been just lovely if it ended at chapter 3. And, and maybe you felt that too. Why is Jonah 4 there? Well, we've got a lot more to learn about God's grace. We've got a lot more to learn about his compassion. And, and sadly, we've got a lot more to learn about ourselves as we look at the man Jonah. And I've got three headings today. Uh, God's crazy kindness, uh, God's memorable message... And I want to end with looking at Jesus and Jonah. So firstly, God's crazy kindness. Well, I've called it crazy because I think that's what Jonah thought it was. Jonah thought God was crazy in extending kindness to these Ninevites. It was his mercy that was really maddening. In fact, Jonah, verse 1 of chapter 4, is furious with God. He's outraged that God would show mercy to these people. It's sort of greatly displeased or exceedingly angry. Just by the way, the word exceedingly appears quite a few times through the book of Jonah. Exceedingly large fish, exceedingly great city, exceedingly happy. We'll get to that in a moment. Now he's exceedingly angry. He's exceedingly angry that God extended mercy to these people. And so he actually takes this to God. He starts to pray. He, he comes to God in prayer. And in some ways, there's, there's a refreshing honesty about Jonah at this particular point, that he takes his outrage to the Lord uh, in verse 2. He says, yeah, he's consumed with anger, but he says, please, Lord, isn't this what I said while I was still in my own country? You know, that you were a forgiving God? I knew that you were gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in faithful love, 
one who relents from sending disaster. He's so angry at God's gracious mercy and compassion. And he actually says to God, I knew you were like this. I knew it. I knew you would forgive them. I, I knew that you would be gracious to them. That's why I didn't want to go to them in the first place. And you think, well, that's, hey, that's pretty out there. But we will get to see, you know, there was a lot going on for, for poor old Jonah. But he starts quoting what God, in fact, has said of himself. In Exodus chapter 34, this is just after the incident where the people of God, having been rescued by God, brought out of slavery, start to worship something that they made themselves out of gold, a calf that they had made. And uh, God's going to wipe them out because of this adult, uh, idolatry. And uh, Moses, the leader of the people of Israel, intercedes for them and God forgives them. God has compassion on them. God reaffirms the covenant with them. And Moses is like quite blown away by this. And he says, who are you, God? And God says, I am Yahweh. I am who I am. Literally, that's sort of what it means. I will be whom I will be. I am gracious. I am compassionate. I am slow to anger. I am abounding in steadfast love. I am forgiving. And, Mo and Jonah here quotes that. In fact, this... God, the gracious, compassionate God, comes out a number of times through the Old Testament and also in the New Testament as well. It's sort of like the thing that we need to know about God. He's gracious. He is compassionate. He is slow to anger. He is abounding in steadfast, faithful love. He forgives wickedness. This is God. I don't know your impression of God, but a lot of people have different ideas of God, that he's a killjoy, that he's a big sort of cosmic policeman that is ready to jump upon us. But he has grace and mercy that are far bigger than any and all of our wickedness. And Jonah knows this. Jonah quotes this back to God. But did he really understand the depth of God's grace? Here he is. I knew you were like that. Yeah, that's just what you're like, forgiving these people, forgiving wickedness. Yeah, I don't like that. It sort of sounds a bit like the older brother in the story that Jesus told of uh, his, his younger brother who took the inheritance of the family early and went off to a far place and blew all the money on women and wine and all of that sort of stuff and who came to his senses back to the family and who was welcomed back by the father and it was given a great celebratory dinner and what did the older brother do oh mate i knew you were gracious and compassionate you would be to this son of yours hey what about me you haven't been gracious and compassionate to me sounds a little bit like that if Jesus thought we needed to hear it uh, if, if Jonah would struggle with this and Jesus thought we needed to hear this as well but in fact if Jonah thought about it he would have realized that not only he was a recipient of God's grace but his whole nation was the nation of Israel God chose them. God says this in Deuteronomy chapter 7. I chose you out of all of the nations, not because you were, more, because you were stronger or, or more attractive, 
or more numerous than other people, God chose the Israelites because of his promise, because he set his love upon them. That's why he did that. And grace, that is his mercy that sinners like us don't deserve, his grace, his mercy does not need to be defended. And it does not need reasons to be given. God is merciful to the wicked. That's me. And that's you. That's all of us. That's what he is like. He doesn't need reasons to give it because it simply reflects the way that he is. Are we looking through that window to see God's mercy and compassion on his world, on us? Unfortunately, Jonah had this idea of, it seems, that, that there was a group of deserving people of God's mercy, and that, of course, was him, and there was a group of people who did not deserve God's mercy, and of that, was, of course, was, was them, the Ninevites. And we might very easily think the same. Oh, I'm deserving of God's mercy. Oh, my family is deserving of God's mercy. You know, my parents were Christians. My grandparents were Christians. Of course, God's going to be merciful to, to us. But God is God. He will have mercy on whom he will have mercy. And we must understand this. We must look through that window and see that his mercy is given to all who are wicked, his choice alone. And none of us, none of us deserve his mercy. I do not deserve his mercy. None of us deserves God's mercy. There you go. We're all a level playing field. No matter where we've come from, no matter what we've done, no matter what language we speak, no matter what colour we are, no matter what ethnic background we have, no matter what social status we might enjoy, no matter what education we have or have not had, it does not matter. All of us are sinners before God and it is only his mercy and his mercy alone that will rescue any of us from the predicament that we are in. But Jonah and us had this idea, <laughs> I'm deserving, them lot out there are not. And we see in ourselves, like Jonah, maybe the hurts, maybe the prejudices coming to the surface and we shut the door and we put a do not disturb sign on it so that we just feel safe, so that we do not go out to share. We do not go out with compassion to others. For Jonah, it was the crazy, outrageous mercy and compassion of God. He probably had good reason for it, by the way. Uh, the Assyrians, and Nineveh was one of the key cities in the, the, that nation, were a superpower, as we've seen in the previous weeks, that was growing. In fact, it's very likely that Hosea, the prophet Hosea, was speaking to the, to the northern kingdom of Israel. Remember the southern kingdom of Judah, northern kingdom of Israel. He was speaking Hosea to the northern kingdom of Israel around this time, probably saying that sometime soon the Assyrians, 
remember Nineveh, are going to come in and take you lot out, the, the Israelites, if you don't repent yourselves. So Jonah was probably thinking, well, why go to them? They're the enemy. Uh, you know, they're going to come and, and get us anyway. And they were brutal, the Assyrians, in their conquests. If you go to the British Museum, there's a whole section devoted to, a substantial section, devoted to the Assyrian conquest. Sally and I were very privileged to be able to go there uh, a couple of years back. Some of these carvings that you can see on the walls, they had adorning their palaces. And you don't need to look too closely to see they're pretty severe in their, in their uh, attacks bows and arrows but if you look at the center down towards the bottom you'll see what they did to their enemies impaling them holding them up to deter any other opposition i cannot even tell you the sorts of atrocities that 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 happened back then jonah certainly had his reasons if you like for him being so distressed about going to the assyrians you know, you could imagine him thinking, now I'm going to go there, I'm going to warn them about God's danger. Well, why, why should I go there and warn them about God's danger? They deserve what's coming to them. And worse still, what if they actually hear what I'm saying to them and turn to the Lord and be forgiven? What will I think about that? What will my countrymen think about that? Oh, you've gone to the enemy and told them how they could be right with God, have you? Do you know, what the, you know what they're going to do to us soon? You can imagine the dilemma that Jonah was in. You can imagine, in a sense, why he was so furious. But it's deeper in some ways than this. Because as we look through that window and change our focus to see the reflection, so we see a little bit of Jonah and I suspect a lot of ourselves for we often think that bad things should happen to bad people we often think that good things should happen to good people we often think that if we do the right thing that that everything will be plain sailing for us we often are tempted to think that you know if I just tick these boxes and do this, this, this and this and this with my children, then they'll grow up to be fine. They'll follow Jesus all of their life. But God is God. And we must trust him. Even when things happen that are displeasing to us or we don't understand We too, like Jonah, can be happy to drink in God's mercy. Even though we're not deserving of it. And yet struggle to show that, to give that to others. Yet ironically, the very thing that our enemies need, and we want them to do, to stop being our enemies, going back to Jonah, is that they would turn to the Lord. They would repent from their wickedness. That they will serve the Lord and stop doing the very things that made them our enemies in the first place. 
That's the whole irony of it. But Jonah just is incensed by this and he wants out. He is offended by God's crazy compassion. Well, secondly, we look here in these verses from chapter 4 from verse 5, uh, sorry, from verse 4 to 11, and we see God's uh, memorable message, God's unforgettable lesson, uh, God's curly questions, whatever you like to throw at it. Uh, Jonah might have his theology right, you know, God, you are a gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in, in, in love, who relents from sending calamity. Yes, he had his... He had his Bible right, but uh, there's needed to, God needed to, to, to do a bit more work on Jonah. And so we have the rest of the chapter, and he probably needs to do a bit more work. Well, he certainly needs to do a bit more work on me, and maybe he does on you. God works graciously on Jonah. That's the first thing to note. He's gracious with Jonah. The very grace... And mercy and compassion and forgiveness that Jonah has just stated about God, God shows, God demonstrates as he deals with Jonah. Now, he could have just gotten really cranky with Jonah. He said, okay, you don't want mercy to be shown to the wicked? Well, see you later, chum. You're out of here. Goodbye. But no graciousness is God's character and so he shows it to Jonah. And God's graciously challenges Jonah or continues to shape Jonah's thinking about his grace and mercy in a number of ways. Firstly, uh, by challenging Jonah's attitude, by appealing, if you like, to reason and secondly, by demonstrating God's true ownership and importance of people and thirdly, by showing the sadness of ignorance. God meets Jonah in his bitterness and shares again his grace and mercy that Jonah would see it in a new, fresh and a memorable way. He challenges Jonah's attitude, first of all, with a question. It's repeated in verse 9. Verse 4, do you have a right to be angry? God says, I've showed mercy to you. You did not deserve it. I've showed mercy to the Ninevites. They did not deserve it. What's wrong with that? Do you have a problem with that? Do you have a right to be angry? There's an appeal to reason here. That Jonah would see that he is wicked, that he is deserving of condemnation, and so were they. He showed mercy to Jonah. He showed mercy to them. Do you have a right to be angry with that? At this point... Verse 4, Jonah doesn't seem to say anything. There's silence. Verse 5, he goes outside the city, makes himself a rough shelter, sits down to see what God will do to the place. Maybe he was thinking Sodom and Gomorrah, you know, where God sent down the brimstone and fire and it was wiped out. Maybe he was expecting that to happen. Well, God uh, again challenges Jonah's thinking about his grace by demonstration of true ownership and importance. The Lord appointed, by the way, the word appointed appears a number of times in the book of Jonah. God appointed a big fish. God now appoints a vine. God appoints a wind, a worm, which we'll see in a sec, and then God appoints a wind. So God is actually, you know, we can see his sovereignty written all the way through this, but God appoints uh, a plant uh, to grow up, to give Jonah shade. You know, in, in this we see God's sovereign. 
And then he, 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 he uh, appoints a worm to, to eat the vine. Jonah, the, the vine grows up, gives Jonah shade. He's exceedingly happy. And then the next morning, God appoints a worm. The worm eats the vine. The vine dies off. Jonah is exceedingly angry. You know, it's sort of like one way to the other. Well, the worm does its job. Then God appoints a hot wind to blow and the sun to beat down on Jonah's head. He wanted to die. It's interesting the number of times that Jonah wants out in this account. Remember with the sailors and the storm, if it just throw me overboard. It doesn't say, oh, let's go back. It doesn't repent on the boat deck and say, oh, God, I'll go back. I'll go to Nineveh now. It just says, oh, throw me overboard. I want to die. I want to die. Get me out of here. I don't want to do it. But God in his grace and mercy is challenging Jonah once again. This plant, this plant, Jonah, which was so significant for you, this plant that brought you such joy and exceeding great abundant happiness you know this plant well you didn't bring it into being you didn't plant it you didn't make it grow it's not yours it came it went you only cared for it really because of the relief that it gave you what about these people over here you cared so much for this plant what about these people 120,000 of them and all of the animals as well. It's interesting how animals are included here. Because God created them too. They might not be his in the sense that we are created in God's image, but there's a reference to it here. Should I not be concerned for them? Should I not care for them? What's wrong with that? Here we see that it's God's world. He is sovereign. His grace, his mercy, he dispenses. He chooses. He elects. He puts his grace and love and mercy on people that he will do. Well, in addition to God's questioning about Jonah's attitude and appeal to reason and a demonstration of true ownership, it's God that does things and the importance of God's creation, his the people that he's made, even, even the animals as well. God points out the sadness of ignorance in verse 11. These people, God says, God informs Jonah, if you like, that these people cannot distinguish between their right and their left. They do not know. There's a sense in which they do not know. There was a sense in which they, they did understand their wickedness, for they repented from their wicked ways. That's, in a sense, stitched into each and every one of us, having been made in the image of God. But their ignorance was more that they did not know the Lord God. They did not know him. They did not know their right from their left. They did not know, in a sense, what they were doing. Does it not remind you of Jesus' words on the cross as he spoke of those who nailed him there. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Well, in the closing minutes, I just want to briefly speak about Jesus and Jonah. Jonah and Jesus. The problem that we might have in hearing 
the account of Jonah is, is just simply to hear, hey, we just need to do better. You know, we, we just need to have more love for other people. We just need to have a bit more compassion. And you could argue that, of course, well, we do, because that's, that's reflecting the, the character of God. But we need to see this, and we need to look, not to see this by looking at our own reflection and going, well, hey, how bad am I? That may be very appropriate to do, but, but we need to look again through the, the window. We need to look again through the window and see the Lord Jesus Christ. Because Jesus is the better Jonah. Jesus is the greater Jonah in so many ways. I just want to mention a couple. Jesus is a greater prophet with a greater message. Through trusting the message that Jonah gave to the Ninevites, judgment that was before them, in front of them, you know, in 40 days you are going to be wiped out. The judgment that was before them was, was averted, was taken away. But Jesus is a greater prophet and a greater message because by trusting in the salvation that he gives, his death on the cross for our sin, we see that the judgment of God is behind us. The judgment of God is not before us anymore. The judgment of God is behind us. Because there it was taken, there it was paid for, there it was done, there it was finished on the cross for us. Praise God, that should warm our hearts. Drink in God's compassion. Look out that window and see the cross of Christ who died in your place and mine for our wickedness and rebellion. It's God's mercy. And Jesus has a greater rising. Jonah's rising from the watery grave after three days took him to proclaim judgment on the city. Jesus rising after three days from the dead proclaims that judgment has gone, finished, behind, as I've said. Jesus has greater compassion. Greater message, greater rising, a greater compassion. There's something delightful, delightfully extraordinary about the, the, the loving kindness of Jesus. There is no one else like him in all of history. We see it in his teaching, we see it in his life. We see it as he brushes aside the plans that his followers had made for him to go here as he spent time with, with insignificant children, where he detoured by his, from his appointed plan to meet with the despised against social, ethnic, religious, uh, gender divides. He, he met with the marginalised. He spoke with them. In contrast to the religious well-to-do who did look down their noses at others and called them wicked. Oh, I'm glad I'm not like them. Jesus went to them. He ate with sinners. But against all medical norms, he spent time with, spoke with and touched the diseased. Oh, he is Jesus. He brought healing. 
Yes. But ought we not see his mercy and compassion as we look out that window to him? He has so loved you in the same way. He came to seek and to save the lost. He didn't come for those who thought, oh, I don't need a doctor because I'm well enough. He came for the sick. Who are the sick? Me and you. Before God, look through the window. See his compassion. There the love of God is demonstrated in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus and Jonah. Jesus is a greater message, a greater rising, a greater compassion. The main character, friends, in this book of Jonah is not Jonah, but God. It's not Jonah and his frailties. There we do see it, absolutely. But the main character is God. His love. His compassion. His mercy on sinners like me. He's the character of this book. And the real miracle of the book of Jonah? What would you say? The real miracle? Was it the wind of chapter 1 and the waves that God whipped up? Was it the real miracle that Jonah got saved by a big fish? Wow, that's what Jonah's known for. Was the real miracle the, 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 the plant that grew up, the vine that grew up, the worm that ate it? From the big fish to the little worm, God's in control. Was that the miracle? Was the miracle the great wind that God brought? Was the miracle the great sun that beat upon Jonah's head and made him feel, I want to die and want to get out of here? What's the great miracle, the great miracle of Jonah? Is that God still cares for sinful people? And he still cares for us, his struggling servants. That's what we see in God's compassion to the Ninevites and his loving grace to Jonah. So will we love, will we go? We were challenged by that earlier with Anne. Thank you. Will we think? Will we have the heart of God? You know, in Joppa, all those years ago, Jonah said no to God to go to the, to the Gentiles over there, them lot. In Joppa, Jonah said no. Centuries later, another Israelite, Peter, in Joppa, same place, took a bit of convincing Remember Acts chapter 10 and 11? Looked at it last year. But he said yes. And he went to the Gentiles. And he shared the good news and grace and compassion of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we still do it today. So will we proclaim that? Because if God can use Jonah with all his weakness, frailty, fear, bitterness, prejudice, he can use you. He can use me. Let's pray.
Heavenly Father, we are reminded from Jonah chapter 2 that salvation belongs to you. Thank you for your boundless compassion. Thank you that you do not treat us as our sins deserve. Thank you that Jesus is the greater Jonah with a greater message, a greater salvation, a greater compassion. Help us to honour you as our sovereign king, trusting your saving work, living by your merciful grace. And in your kindness, please, please use us to reflect your character and your word to a world that is in ignorance of who you really are and what you have done. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.